Father, thank you that um, you are an abundant Father, you are an abundant God, and you do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask or think. And, and you are promising us an inheritance that is more than we could possibly imagine. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be aware of the great wonder of that and, and the, the bounty with which you have um, given us. Lord, the way you have treated us and the way you are treating us and the, the blessing that you pour out upon us. And I pray, Father, that you would make us mindful of that um, and that we would understand that that's forgiving away. It's all forgiving away. <laughs> Um, and I pray, Lord, that um, whatever it is that you want with the new premises, wherever they are and whatever they're like, Lord, that you would make that known to us. I thank you in advance for, for, for the place that you're preparing for us. And I ask, Lord, um, that you continue to speak to us and grow us up, Lord. Grow us up so that we're no longer babies tossed about here and there by every wind of doctrine, Paul says, and every circumstance and trial of our life. Grow us up, Lord, so that we can stand firm, stand firm on the rock of Christ. And Lord, for this lady, if she's coming, I pray that she would find her way here, that she wouldn't get stressed about not getting a parking place or um, not being able to find us, but that you would bring her, Lord, and that she would... Um, find joy here when she comes in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, one other thing, sorry. If you haven't, if you want a preset workbook um, on First Corinthians, please tell Rosie today because she, we'll be ordering them today. Um, so, and we start next week. And next week will be the introduction um, week, so there's no homework attached to that week. Um, Okay, so knowing peace in a shaking world, this is the final session, session eight. Um, the world is shaking beneath our feet. We were talking last night about this whole transgender agenda that's going on in schools and I was reading about um, a move now, there's not been too much about it, but a move now to regulate what homeschooling, what parents teach their children in at home. Um, they want to uh, make sure that the, this agenda that's being pushed in our schools is also pushed and enforced in homes. Um, hmm? Exactly, but the government is trying to make sure of that. So this is a specific agenda and it's a specific uh, behind it all, because you look at these people who are espousing these views and you think to yourself, wow, you grew up in the same sort of environment I grew up. How can you possibly be thinking this is right? Um, but uh, there's, a, of course, the enemy behind all of that, and Satan is out to destroy, to destroy our children, to destroy our grandchildren. And he is, he is uh, having success at the moment in his attempts to do that. So... Um, Really, we have to be, we have to be Christians. We have to be Christians. And we have to be grown-up Christians. We can't be messing about anymore. We have to be grown-up. And so that whole course, um, the one before, Be Ready, and then this one, Knowing Peace in a Shaking World, it's all been about that. Be a believer in everything you think and everything you do and how you do it. Be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and get to know him because the more you know him, the more you're able to talk about him and live in the way that he wants you to live. And um, this, this course, Knowing Peace, 
Uh, I think it's particularly important because people are searching for peace. They, they, those people who don't know Christ don't know where to go. Can you imagine? They have no hope and no peace and no joy and they are living in a world that's just about to explode around them and so we have to have that peace. So Second Peter was uh, where we were last time and um, um, yeah, so I want to go back there today um, and I want to, before we finish, I want to make sure that we understand what is peace, what peace is and how we share it with another person. Um, that's what you're here for, actually, strangely. <laughs> Not in this room, but that's why you're on the planet, so that you can share your faith. If, if sharing your faith is not a big part of your life, then you are, you're not fulfilling the purpose for which you are still here. That's the bottom line. If sharing your faith is talking about Jesus, making him known, living in a way that shows who he is and how glorious he is, if that is not at least part of your your purpose and aim for your everyday life, then you're missing the point. And so that's what we want to make sure before the end of today that we don't miss the point. So Second Peter chapter 1, um, verse 1 to 11. Could somebody read those verses, please? Thank you. Okay, um, those first four verses are just an amazing opening to a letter. Um, and uh, if we had more time, you could camp out there. I'd like to camp out there because it's just they're amazing verses. But um, one thing, tell me what God, what Peter is saying, what God is saying through Peter, as he opens up the letter. What has God given believers? Yeah, precious abundance. How does um, Peter describe it? He specifically says, 
Yeah, he's given, he has given grace and peace, but he says he's given great promises and gifts. He has granted to us, verse 4, his precious and magnificent promises um, so that you may become partakers of the divine nature. Um, how, uh, what do those precious and magnificent promises and gifts provide? Th- what happens through those promises and gifts? Yeah. Yeah, he, he specifically says something in verse 3. He says, everything we need for life and godliness comes through what? Through our knowledge of him. So God's made us promises. He's made us precious and magnificent promises so that we can escape the uh, corruption that's in the world so that we can partake of the divine nature. Can you uh, see what he's saying? He's saying through the promises of God come um, uh, life and godliness, life, real life, abundant life, eternal life. And in that way, we partake. We become sharers of God's nature. I mean, can you see what I mean about these verses? They are amazing verses. That as you grow in your knowledge of God, not simply do you know how to live godly or know about eternal life, but you become a part of God's nature. You share his nature. Now, is that true of you? (laughs) I mean, that's what we need to be thinking. Is that true of me? Can I see my nature changing? Can you see your character changing? Can you see the way you think changing? Because he says, through the precious and magnificent promises, which we want to grab for ourselves, and through the gifts that he's given us, we have been starting to grow in our knowledge of God, and in that way, we are partaking of God's nature. So you can come to the end of all of that sentence and work your way back. You can say, well, if I'm not feeling that my personality is changing, that my character is changing, that I'm becoming more godly in my thinking and in my behavior, that I can understand more about this life, this abundant life, that I uh, live righteously when I didn't used to, when it was... Uh, very natural for me to do unrighteous things but now I find I want to and I do do righteous things Um, if if you don't do those things you can work your way back and say well why is that and right at the back of it is you haven't believed the promise of God for you you just have not believed it because it comes through God has made precious and magnificent promises to you and in your knowledge of him and those promises, you start to receive the divine nature. You start to become like God. Now, before anyone thinks I'm saying we're little gods, we are not little gods. You will never be a little god. You will only ever be who you are. Praise God for that. Who would want to be a god? Not me. But what he is saying is that you will be transformed into the image of Christ. You will be changed from glory to glory. You will become like your saviour, like Jesus. That's, you know, all of us should be, hallelujah, praise God. You know, and if you find that you're not hallelujah, praise God, work your way back. What haven't you believed? What haven't you believed about God? Or what don't you know about God? And that word know in your knowledge of God, he says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. That word knowledge doesn't mean here, head knowledge. It means experience. 
experiential knowledge, like you have in a relation, like a husband-wife relationship. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about intimate, personal knowledge, experience of God in your life. Now we're in human bodies, and we're 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 buffeted about by human sensations and feelings, emotions, things that happen. And so I'm not suggesting that you walk around in this cloud of wonderful, you know. I'm 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 in a relationship with God and it's wonderful all the time. I'm not suggesting that. But there should be moments in your life and they should be more often as you go along that you're experiencing your relationship with God. You are really experiencing your relationship. Um and if you're not, then surely surely the cry would be, Lord God, I want to know you that way. I want to know you that way. So how can I do whatever it is I am to do to develop this relationship? And and actually, that's what Peter's going to talk about. Because he knows that most of the people who read his letter are not going to be in the relationship they want to be in with God. And you and I are not, are you? Doesn't what I'm saying, doesn't what he say, start in you a desire or a longing to be where he is, to be where this this is? Because you're not there. I'm not there. So it's it's like Peter knows that. God knows that. And so through Peter, he's saying, this is what you must do now for this very reason, verse 5. For this reason. Because the more you know God, the more you become like him, the more you share his divine nature, the more righteous you are, the more godly you are, the more you understand his promises. Because of that, this is what you do. You do this. Um, and don't get the idea that you have to do this. You see, often we read these verses and it's like, well, if I don't do this, what does that mean? See, what, what Peter's talking about is when you have a baby, all those who have had a baby, when you have, well, you don't even have to have had a baby, but you see a human baby, that human baby has every, si- if it's a normal birth, a normal whole baby, that has everything it needs to become an adult. You don't need to give it anything. It's got all the genetic structure. It's got the fingers and the toes and the legs. It's got the brain. It's got everything. But it's a baby. In order for it to become a fully grown human, what has to happen? It has to be fed. It has to be fed and nurtured. It has to be loved. It has to be fed and watered. Barbara said it needs to be fed. It needs to be watered. It needs to be nurtured. What is it God says about his word? It's food. It's bread. It's the bread of life. What else does he say about it? It's water. His spirit is living water and and the word is the water of the word. And what else does he say about the other thing that you need as a human being? What do you need? You need bread. You need water. You need love. What does God tell you through the pages of his book? I love you. I love you. Come to me. Be held in my arms. Be lifted up by me. God provides every single thing that we need when we are born again. We're babies, but and we have to we have to add these things, or someone has to help us add and grow us up. But everything's already there. The potential is right there. So if you're sitting here looking at yourself and thinking, I am so far from this place, well, hallelujah. (laughs) Because God's, you have everything you need. And it just takes watering and feeding and loving. 
And so wrapped up here is in, in this, what you need to do, how you need to feed yourself, is why you're doing it. And the reason you're doing it is to experience the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I know, I know, I know. But we have to feed it. That's what I think Peter's saying. We have to feed it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's it. So I've got to say it, and you, you're doing it, and you know you're doing it, and I know you're doing it, but still we've got to say it. So there you go. Yeah. Go ahead, Rosie. Mm, definitely. 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 Colossians chapter 2 says that we are complete in him, complete in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 10, I think it is. We are already complete in Christ. So when you're hearing this, you are already complete, like a newborn baby is already complete. All that we need is help, as Rosie's saying, help along the way. We need someone to help feed us, give us water. Be God's arms to us, to love us as God loves us. That's what we need. And that's what discipleship is. Do you see what I mean? That's what discipleship is. When I first became a believer, that's what someone did for me. And then more people joined and continued that. I was fed and watered and loved by human people who understood that that was their role in God's plan. And, and really that's why desire and truth, that's what I want when we move. And even if we don't move, we want to start discipleship courses. We want to be out there evangelizing and bringing people in and saying, okay, now you've become a believer. This is what you do now. This is how we share. This is how we love each other. This is how we grow in the Lord. And that's what we need to be doing. When you think about it, if you don't disciple someone, who will? That's the, the whole thing. And that's what Rosie's talking about. We need... Even for us, mature believers as we are, we all need help. And baby believers need um, maybe even more. So um, this understanding that I think Peter gives us now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, uh, this is something he wants us to understand. Growth does not just happen. It's not automatic. If you don't feed a baby, if you don't give that baby water, if you don't love that baby, it will not grow. All the potential that it had in the beginning will be wasted because it's not fed and watered and loved. And that's what he wants us to understand, that there is a work of faith and we have to be about it. So what we're doing here, as Jenny says, is we're being fed through the word of God because we've already been taught how to do that, how to come to the word and receive it for ourselves. And yeah, we falter a bit along the way, but we have each other to help. But now every single person in this room needs to be thinking about two people that they can disciple or bring to be discipled. 
Pray about those people. Just pick two people. Pray about them. Who are they? How could you, how could you encourage them? You know, and, and think about them as babies. Don't think about them as people, oh, you should be further along than that. And you spout out as if you know God, but I know you really don't know God and you need to know God like I know God. Don't think about them that way. Think about them as a baby that has been starved because that's the truth. If, if believers haven't been discipled, they've been starved and their life is stunted and they, they don't have the capacity even to understand what's available. So that understanding has to be nurtured and opened up and shown to them through your own life, through the way you talk, but primarily through the way you love them. Yeah. 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 Yes. So let's. Um, it's a joint effort. Philippians chapter two. If you want a scripture reference, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. And Romans twelve verse one and two. Therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercies, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. So this is all, you know, Peter, Paul, all of the New Testament writers talk about the wonder of God's provision and then they say right now, in view of that, this is what you do. Yeah. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. So, Peter calls on us, be diligent or make every effort. Uh, now for this very reason also, verse 5, be diligent, applying all diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. Okay, what is faith? Because he's talking about qualities. If you go down, uh, verse 8 says, for if these qualities are yours and, uh, and are increasing. So these are qualities. Faith, what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Thank you, Christian. Yeah. So Hebrews 11. So what? Um, but but yeah, that's. Give me a, a, another description of faith. What what is faith? If you say you believe, what does that mean? Yeah, you're trusting in. Yeah. Give it other words though. Give it words. Confidence. If confidence. Yeah. Okay, so think about the truth that you believe. You say you believe, you have confidence, you're living it. So what does that actually mean? What have you done, actually? You've committed yourself to that truth. So you've, you've heard a truth about Jesus. You've heard that he's the saviour, he's your saviour, he took your sins and he's, he's, he was he died your death and he's now resurrected and he's offering you resurrection life. That's a good plug for the next study. He's offering you resurrection life. Now you have to commit your way to that. You have to commit in some way, commit your thinking to that truth. Because if you're not committed to that truth, you don't really believe it. Do you see what I mean? If you're just hearing that truth 
and knowing, oh yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah. My mum told me that, and and the pastor tells me that, and the priest tells me that, and the vicar tells me that, and yeah, I know that's true. Yeah, it's so wonderful, isn't it? And then, boop, but that's got not much to do with me. I know the sun shines, and it keeps me warm, and it keeps the world spinning, but actually, you've got to commit your way to it. Yeah, yeah. So how do you do that? How do you test it then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, don't think about a healing, because there'll be a lot of people who will sit here and think, I pray for that, and I still have to go through my cold and my flu. So don't think about a healing or a physical thing. Think about something. You're committing yourself to the truth of Jesus. What's the truth of Jesus? I'm not decrying that, Chris, and that's wonderful, but, but what's the truth you're committing to? Yeah. Yeah, but what, why? Why is it a way of life? What is it you're committing to? What, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe? And, and, and that you belong in heaven, that eternity, eternal life is yours because of Jesus, that you will never die. You will never, ever, ever, ever die. That's the, rea- that's the promise of the gospel, that he paid your price. And because he paid your price, you can run to your father at any moment. You will live with your father through eternity. Yes, we've got all the details partly on this planet, then a new planet and all of that. That's all details. But the reality is you will never die because Christ died for you. And you will live eternally because he lives eternally. And you have an inheritance, an, a, a glorious paradise inheritance. Now tell me, if you really believe that, what difference does that make in your everyday life? Peace, yeah. There you go. Everything, Yes. Yes, you have a totally different perspective. You've got a different perspective on everything that happens to you in this life. Because this life is... And eternity is forever. Because this life might be full of yuck. But where you're going is paradise. Because you might be surrounded by people who drive you nuts. But for eternity, you are going to be surrounded with love and people that you instantly and con- continuously connect with. Do you see what I mean? So when you're faced with any situation in this life, your perspective is always there. Yes, and this momentary light affliction is producing for us a weight of glory. Mm-hmm. A second Corinthians. Hmm? Second Corinthians. Um, four or five or... Maybe three, yeah. Um, but uh, do you see what I mean? When you're committing, you're committing to the truth. That's what believing is. It's committing to the truth. And now every time now then, you're in a situation and you're, you're, you all, you all are coming and we're all studying together. So we all want to grow in our faith. And you are growing in your faith. You might 
the more you think you've got further to go, it means you've grown. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So when you're looking at your life thinking, oh my goodness, I've got so far to go, praise the Lord because you've come so far, you can see you've got so far to go. But the thing is, when you're in a situation and your human instinct is, oh, you know, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about this and it's just look at this and I can't bear it and so and so and so and so, this is happening, this is happening. What will happen to you is that the spirit will come in and or will remind you, but this is not reality. This is the shadow. That's reality. And you will have a moment where you can say, I'm going to live in the reality and not in the shadow. I'm going to live with what's real and not with what's temporary. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, can you see what I mean? So, believing is not just knowing those facts about Jesus. Believing is committing your life, committing to those facts, committing to start to choose to think about your life in a totally different way. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. I mean, I, I you know, exampled it by sitting on the chair. You know, you've heard this a million times, but I'm going to tell you again. You could look at that chair. I, you could come in the room and I could say, wow, that is such a great chair. You know, I know where we bought these from and that company's really good and the metal's so strong. Oh, and it's comfortable, comfortable. You could never sit in a more comfortable chair. This is the chair for you. And you could nod. Yeah, that looks like a really good chair. Oh, I, yeah, I, I think I might buy some of those chairs. But until you sit down... You haven't trusted. You have not committed. You have not really believed what I've said. S believing in Jesus is sitting down on the chair. It's saying, whatever happens in my life, I know where I'm headed. I know I'm never going to die. Just knowing that fact, just that thing, what will that do when you think about things? I know I'm never going to die. Hope, yeah. What else? What does it actually get rid of? Fear. Fear. So, okay, look at yourself. Look at yourself inwardly and quietly. Are you afraid to die? Don't answer. Are you afraid to die? If you're afraid to die, there is something you haven't believed about Jesus. Because the moment you close your eyes on this planet, you open them in paradise. And it will be glorious. Do not be afraid to die if you know the Lord Jesus. You might not want to go through whatever type of illness you think you're going to have to go through. That's normal and natural. I'm not saying there's anything unbelieving in that. But if you're afraid to die, you don't believe something about God. And you need to go back to the Word and to God and say, what, Why am I afraid, Lord? I don't understand. And when you could go on forever. What's faith? Faith is that. It's, it's, it's you trusting and committing your way to Jesus. And when the fear comes in of any other thing, it's you saying, I will not have that in my life because I know the truth about God. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely, Maureen. But what's the promise of God? See, I think that all the time. Lord, how, how terrible it must be. And every time I think that, I start to go along those lines. I pray for them. And then when, when I go along it, God reminds me. But do you think I've left them?
Do you think I'm not there? Yeah. And the church is growing. Uh, yes, thank you. At an amazing rate. Sorry, I'm repeating your words, but I'm just, you know. Yeah. It's incredible. It's an incredible um, work of God. Now, you see, but, but your mind, I think, is similar to mine, Maureen. I don't know. I haven't just dissected it. But we think in sometimes along the same lines. And so my thought is, oh, God, that must be so terrible. And why am I here and not there? And blah, blah, blah. And on and on, you know, it goes. And I forget. I have to deliberately force my mind back. But what do you say, God? You say, never will I leave you nor forsake you that you will know a joy and a peace in those situations that you can't know any other way. So I have to force my mind back to that because of the commitment I've already made to put my trust in Jesus. So... Faith, a full commitment to God's way, to his truth, to his life, and we have to develop our faith. Jude, verse 16, will say, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Build yourselves up on it. That's what you've got to do. Build yourselves up on it. Now, I know you know that because you're here. So We all know that. So this is not saying to you because you're not already doing it. It's saying to you, encouraging, yeah, to remind, and also to think, all those people you know that you love, that are Christians, who are not doing it, you know they're starving. They are starving themselves because they're not doing it. So in whatever way you can, you have to start coming alongside those believers and helping them to see in whatever way and shelve all your knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Put it all away. All your knowledge about, oh, well, you should know what I know because I know such a lot. Just come to them with that love, the same as you would a tiny baby. And do whatever it takes to, to bring them along. Not here, I don't mean, but bring them along in their faith. Build their faith. Help them to build their faith. So that's that. Um, I've written down here, we're to sweep out the corridors of our faith and we're to strengthen its walls. We're to be conscious of and make a commitment to God and his way of life. That's what we have to do. And, and I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself about that commitment often because I can so easily forget it. Of course. But, but the thing is, Maureen, that's what will happen. You will love life because you love God first. Yes, of course. Huh? All life is all God? I don't. Oh. Uh, I will have to have a talk about that, Maureen. <laughs> we'll have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've got no Celts in here. <laughs> so we're staying here. Yes this environment that's going to be burnt up. Yes, no, I agree. We are, t we are to live as people who have been entrusted with the safekeeping of the planet and all that's in it, definitely. I'm not against that, but I'm against when people put that in front of letting people know about the Lord Jesus when their minds are so caught up in that that they can't 
that they don't worry about anything else. So anyway, let's move on. So we are to constantly fill our minds with the details of his way, his truth and his life. And that means we are to constantly fill our minds with the details of Jesus. And I know you know this, so I'm saying this, so that when you're talking to other believers who don't do that, you understand their very great need. They are in need. Goodness. So now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, which is um, goodness, um, literally virtue. So what is goodness and what must we do here? What's he actually saying? Yeah, yeah. What's he saying here? He says, applying all diligence every effort, in your faith, supply moral excellence. Yeah, I think it's by example. But, but if you're being told you've got to supply excellence, moral excellence, yeah, not to other people, to you this is. So, yeah, it's like goodness. In your faith, in your trusting, be good. But this is all for you. So this is for you, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. So you've committed your way to God. Now you're hearing, I've got to supply excellence, virtue. My goodness, oh my goodness, I cannot do that. Yes, but what it is, is don't be afraid to fall. Don't be afraid to fail. Just do your best to be good to bring goodness, to bring virtue, to bring moral excellence into your everyday life. Actually, we've got to look into the mirror and Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. James will say, don't be like the person who looks in the mirror and then goes away and forgets himself, but do what the word says. Do what it says. So now Peter's saying, in your faith, in your trusting and believing in Jesus and everything he's done for you, now you bring some goodness into that. Do some good stuff. Be morally excellent. Now that, what does that mean in real life? Practical details. Give me a detail. The way you talk. So how, how would that be? How's your conversation going to be? Godly. Respectful. <coughs> Pure, no swearing, no laughing at kind of dodgy jokes. I'm assuming you wouldn't laugh at a really horrible joke, but no laughing at the innuendos. No sarcasm, no gossip, obviously. Gossip's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no lying, even for the sake of keeping the peace. No lying. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. No vowing. No, no. Oh, I swear on this or I swear on that. None of that. All goodness, kindness, all of the, all of the moral excellence. If you knew someone who you thought, wow, they are morally excellent, be like that. Add that to your way of life, to your behaviour. Um, Knowledge. What is it he says now? For this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. What's knowledge here? Yeah, yeah. What do you think he means, though, supplying knowledge in your moral excellence, uh, knowledge? 
knowledge of God. And what have we already said is knowledge of God. What is that? It's experience of God, isn't it? So in your... Um, Hello, Caroline. How are you? <laughs> See you. <laughs> Caroline comes in the evening, so she's... Um, okay, so knowledge. Um, how will you uh, fill your mind with knowledge, first of all? How will you do that? You're going to be in the Word. You're going to be... And so as you're in the Word, so what he's saying is, in your faith, supply moral excellence, goodness, and in your goodness, supply knowledge. So what he's trying to say is, faith is what you've got. You were given faith. You were given that as a gift from God. Now you, you're to grow it up. And the way you grow it up is that you live good. You live good. In, with all that that means. And you fill up that goodness. You make sure that you're understanding what goodness is, what moral excellence is, by adding knowledge. Knowledge of God, obviously, because otherwise you won't know what is good. So in your moral excellence, supply knowledge. Because there's a lot of ethical people out there. So you need to be supplying the knowledge of God. And if you have knowledge of God, what will you have? Understanding, who said that? Barbara, understanding and wisdom. You'll have understanding and wisdom. You'll know what goodness is and you'll know what to do with it. So Proverbs talks about uh, knowledge. If you search for her as hidden treasure, seek after her, then you will have a knowledge of God. And the um, No, that's completely wrong. Hold on. Proverbs chapter 2. Uh, uh, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Again, that experiential knowledge of God. So you and I... We've been given our faith, that's Proverbs 2, 1 to something like 5 or 6. Um, so we've been given our faith. We are to live that faith out by uh, our goodness. We are to behave in, in a morally excellent way. And we are to bring knowledge in, the knowledge of God, obviously, the knowledge of what it mean, who he is and, and our experience of him. Um, and what will that, what, how does he go on? And in your knowledge, self-control. In your knowledge, what do you think will happen when you grow in your knowledge of God? Awareness. Awareness of who God is and who you are. Yeah. And so what will you start to find going on then? Yeah, but what will first, even before that, let's say you've got your faith, God's given you faith, and you're, you're starting to supply goodness and you're not... You know, you're trying to be good, but you're not quite sure how to be good. So you're adding in knowledge of God. And then that knowledge of God is showing you what goodness is and feeding the faith that he's given you in the beginning. And then um, in your knowledge, what's going to start happening? Yeah, but e even before that, Debbie, what, what's going to happen with the... When you're faced with the knowledge of God, and as Maureen said, you start to see yourself in your true colours... Yeah, yeah, you will, but you'll notice areas where you're supposed to, where you're letting yourself run away with yourself. 
you're allowing yourself to be God in those areas, whatever they may be. You know, so perhaps um, you've decided that, I'm trying to think of something that's, um, you've, uh, I don't want to trivialize it or make it too extreme, so perhaps you've decided that you don't need your Bible to know God. Let's say that. I don't need my Bible to know God. I read it, I know, I don't need to study that again. I mean, I've looked at First Corinthians loads of times. I don't need to study that, I don't need to. So I, I've decided I don't need to, to study the Bible. So actually, what I really need to do is go shopping every Tuesday morning. I know that's silly, but just think about it. I'm, I need to go shopping, and I definitely need to buy some new things because I don't have enough. Or I need to sit on my computer, an internet shop, or I need to go and have a cup of tea and a piece of cake every Tuesday morning. I need cake. I know these are simple, stupid examples. But this is where you are letting yourself be king in your life rather than God. You are saying, you know, I can do what I want, basically. And when you, as soon as you get on that path, that will take you to an extreme end that you don't want to be. I know, it, let's, I, I always go back to wine, but it's a very easy one. It's okay to have a glass of wine. What's wrong with that? It's okay to have two glasses of wine. I'm sure Jesus had two or three at that party in Cana. And I'm actually sure he probably had four or five. I suspect he went away to sleep afterwards because, you know, do, do you see what I mean? That's what happens. Your mind, your human nature, starts to take you on a road that you never thought you'd go to and, and in a place you never thought you'd end up. What he's saying here is, here's your faith. Supply moral excellence, goodness. Supply knowledge of God. And in your knowledge of God, start to apply self-control. <laughs> Start to understand the difference between God being king and you being king. And start to say, do you know what? Okay, this is what God says. This is what I'm going to do. I know I'm not controlled enough by the Holy Spirit. I know that I can go off on my own rebellious way. So I am going to do everything I can to ensure that he is in control in my life. Now, do you think that will happen overnight? No. How long will that take? A lifetime. A lifetime. A lifetime. And, and your things may be different, but self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And Peter's saying you need to add that in. You need to be aware that you must be in control of yourself. Why? Why? Exactly. Because um, you need to be controlling your, your uh, desires, your everything. You need to live a controlled life. Why? Because it's chaotic. And God is not a God of chaos. And, and he is a God of control. In giving you the ability to self-control. Um, mm. Yes, absolutely. So much of this world, 
Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And we deceive ourselves because we listen to that and we are easily deceived. And I think that understanding, Christian, that we are easily deceived is is a huge thing to come to. <laughs> you know, even if you're in the Word, just work on the understanding that you're an easily deceived person. <laughs> and so make it your business to fill your mind with truth as much as you can. Exactly. 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 Ephesians five seventeen is a really good cross reference. Yeah. Galatians 5. Sorry, Galatians five seventeen. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. Exactly, Maureen. Yes. Yes. No. Exactly. No. Uh, yeah. And this self-control, it's, it's something you have to practice. Because before you were a Christian, you didn't want to do it. And if you did control yourself in any area, it was for your own benefit. You see what I mean? You only did it because it was good for you, or you saw it to be good for you. But um, and and because self-control shows that you understand you don't belong to yourself. You belong to a, high, a a God who has calling you to a higher standard. Um, okay, and in your self-control, what perseverance? What's perseverance? Keep keeping on, yeah. It's actually steadfastness, and it's particularly steadfastness in the face of opposition. So that's what it means. Perseverance is steadfastness in the face of opposition. Um, what does that mean? I mean, how... <laughs> I can't go there, Christian. We're not going there. We're not going to talk politics. How will you develop steadfastness? Yeah. Uh, in the word mm. Keep trying. If you think about perseverance being steadfastness in the face of opposition, what, yeah, but also if you're not practicing perseverance at the moment, it's probably because you've not got a lot of opposition. And if you've not got a lot of opposition, you're either in the wrong place, but I think he's primarily talking about opposition from your own nature. Because this is an I these are internal qualities that you are developing, growing. Now, if you're not having a lot of opposition from your own nature, why might that be? Because you're given into your own nature way too often. And so your own nature is very happy and satisfied and doesn't need to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah.
It's in the perseverance. Mm. You are having victory if you're praying. That's part of the that's the first, second, third, fourth step of towards victory is that you're praying for the Lord to. A, make you aware of the things that are pulling you away and then B, help you to, dis to deal with them. And that is developing perseverance, yeah. Nothing will be harder in your life, Linda, than that, than coming to God every morning and spending more time. That will be the hardest thing because it is the, single th it is the biggest thing that will cause your growth as a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Sam. That's what I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, definitely. Because Satan doesn't want you to grow. That's the bottom line. And actually, but I think also your own nature doesn't want you to grow. We have to understand that. We have three enemies, Satan, the world, and our flesh. And yes, Satan's ultimately in control of our flesh, so ultimately it comes from him. But our own flesh will not want us to to, to go the way of the spirit. What do you mean, tests us? Mm. 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 Definitely, well, definitely, we have to do that. But the 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 phrase, you know, always remember. That I think this is really important to get it in this in this sequence, the sequence that James uses it. Draw near to God. That's the first thing. I think it's James 5, 7. Draw near to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So the first thing is draw near to God. If you are not near to God, you cannot resist the devil. And he certainly won't flee from you. It's James 5, I think, verse 7. I'm not sure, is it James 5, 7? Somebody look that up. James 5... <laughs> Can you hear Rosie? She's obviously got some medicine going on in there. Yeah, it rings a bell. It rings a bell. Uh, no, it's not James 5 7, you see? It's not. Is it 2 7? No. 4 7? Thank you. James 4 7. Um, submit therefore to God. Some My version says, submit therefore to God. Also, Draw near to God is another translation. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So there is that, that sense that don't be afraid of the enemy. Even the enemy. Do not be afraid of the enemy. He is under the feet of Christ Jesus. He is a defeated foe. Yes, he will take any leeway you give him. But he will only take what you give him. He can't take anything else. If you don't open, if you don't allow him any room, he cannot take anything. 
Now, of course, again, that too is a life's work because we have to learn how that is. But the obvious ones will be obvious. Don't give them that. Don't give them the room of, you know, you're still bitter over something that happened 30 years ago. Don't give him that little place to put his hook. Close that up. Submit yourself to God. Draw near to God. Close that space. Don't give him the unforgiveness. Don't give him that space. Don't give him your addictions. Don't give him any space in your life. Keep closing those areas off. Um, and keep going, Linda, in the reading. I know how hard that is. I know how hard that is. Um, but it it does get easier as you go on after about 30 years. <laughs> so, Father, thank you that uh, this is true. Thank you that the harvest is, or the fields are ripe unto harvest. Thank you, Lord, that you you do want people to know you. Thank you that you're always at work. Thank you that that we may, we don't see it, Lord God, but you are at work and that you're just waiting for us to step up and start to join ourselves, join with you in your work, align ourselves to your work, Lord God. Help us to see that clearly and to do it, actually, to do it. Um, and Father, thank you for the way that you will bless us in all of that. And um, we just give you this the rest of this morning now, Lord, and ask you to use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we, uh, perseverance. The next one is godliness. And in your perseverance, godliness. Godliness is similar to moral excellence, but uh, what do you think might be the difference between godliness and moral excellence? <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's a yeah, that's an interesting thing that maybe, and I think that certainly there's that feeling that as we go from our initial faith and we add to it um, uh, moral excellence, and then we add to that knowledge of God, and then we add to that perseverance because we're understanding more about who God is, and then we're finding that uh, we're able to control ourselves and all of our different areas in our life, and then we're finding that godliness, that being like God, we're adding that to it as well, so we're, it's a sort of growth thing that's going on. Um, I don't necessarily think that these things happen in sequence, I think they could all happen at once. But I definitely think that there is this growing that's going on as this happens. So rather like a, a, a baby, you know, babies don't all grow in the same ways at the same time, do they? Some some children walk really early and some people, some children talk really early and some, you know, do all sorts of things at different stages. So um, it's not necessary that we all do the same thing at the same time or that these things are in this sequence, but it is necessary that they grow and that we apply every effort. He uses the word diligent. Be diligent, applying all diligence. And that's what we have to do. I think so, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. 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 Mm.
definitely. I think that's true of unbelievers particularly, but I think it's also true of uh, believers. We do kid ourselves a lot. We're very easily deceived by ourselves. And Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Yes, definitely. Well, you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. But the 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 whole idea is that a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, think that they don't have to do anything. That God will do it all. But we are responsible for applying all diligence, supplying, um, applying all diligence. Um, so, okay, what happens after godliness? What will start to be happening? Brotherly kindness. What does he mean by brotherly kindness? Well, he means actually their brotherly kindness is loving fellow believers, loving the family of God. That's what, he, what he's talking about here. Brotherly kindness, brothers and sisters in the family of God. We are one family. We are the new humanity. We are a new community, any which way you want to talk about it. And we belong to each other. We are part of the body of Christ. We are, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul will say, what good is the hand without the foot? You know, we're each of us different, but we're all part of the same body. And we are to love one another. Jesus said, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's John 13. So uh, it's not that we love outside of the family. People won't... It, what, what, he, what John's talking about, what Peter's talking about here first is the love that exists in family so that everybody will want to be a part of that family because they will see a love that they don't see anywhere else. Well, is that true? You know, I'm, we're all, it's lovely when we're here because we are all drinking coffee and eating biscuits and sharing and laughing and I love that. That's really great. Because we are connecting with one another because we're family and we're building each other up and we're trying to love. We are loving each other. But there are a lot of believers that don't, don't belong to this thing. We need to love them too. We have to love believers. Where, wherever they are, we have to love, love them like family. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know. Why do you think that is? Mm. So behind that, what what's behind that? What's behind that? They don't believe something about God. They don't believe or trust. I'm not talking about just believing the the words of it. They don't trust something about God. So, uh, first of all, are they really believers? I don't know, because you can work, walk into a lot of buildings and see a lot of people who are not believers. But if they are believers, they haven't understood that this person who walks in, who is a believer, is part of my family. And actually, my instant response, their instant response should be hugging. Okay, you can kiss me on the cheek, Jenny. But it should definitely be um, affection. (laughs) 
I was just about to say that. It's First Timothy chapter two. Greet one another with a holy kiss, men. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny, shame on you. Somebody pray with Jenny immediately. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I I mean I I don't necessarily mean the totally physical hug, but I mean the kind of hugging mentality which is loving. Um Hey. I don't know. Anyway, that's your Britishness. That's your Britishness. I mean, let's face it. Well, that's because they're foreign. I'm only kidding, by the way, I'm only kidding. Um, seriously, it, it's this idea of family. How would you greet your family? Okay, a cousin who lives in Australia or New Zealand that you've never met, and they come back, and they come to your house. How are you going to greet them? It's that idea. They're your, they're your sister's child. You've never seen them before, or you know, they're your niece or nephew or whatever. And it, well, how are you going to be with them? That's, that's what we've got to start thinking about. We're family. You are my family. And you're to love me, warts and all. And I'm to love you the same way. And we are supposed to help each other and build ourselves up and build each other up and edify each other and grow as a body. So much so that other people who are not part of this family, I don't mean this individual family, I mean the body of Christ, look at us and say, wow, I want to be a part of that, how they love each other, how they love each other. That's what, we are, that's what he's talking about. That's what the, Jesus was talking about in John chapter 13. And so uh, brotherly kindness, real love for believers, real love. How will you get that? How will that church get that? The Spirit helps, definitely. So, but, but how, w- I mean, according to Peter, um, in your perseverance, godliness, and, if these, um, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness. The more you are like Christ, the more you will love your brothers and sisters. And, and, and so how will you do that? Because it's not just going to zonk on you like a tub of lard, you know. Hmm? Take an interest. Start to ask a few questions. You know, when, so when you see someone, they walk in and, oh, hello, I haven't seen you before. How are you new? Oh, no, I've not I've been here, you know, five months. <laughs> oh, sorry, you've been sitting at the back or I didn't notice you or whatever. But talk, talk to one another. How are you really? What's going on in your life? Can I pray with you? Can I? I don't mean like I can see you're so poor spiritually and I'm so, you know, whatever. I mean real caring for one another. Yeah. Mm. And we decided as sisters in Christ we mm. need to know how we were born again. Yeah. And actually it was really helpful to Definitely. Mm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a great idea, actually. I shall pinch that one, Vanessa. Mm. <laughs> and then in brotherly kindness, what? And in your brotherly kindness, love. And now he's talking about, as Barbara said earlier, now your love. Who does God love? Everybody. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves the whole world. So you're, it, the end result of all of this is love. Love for the people that God loves. And if you love the people that God loves, what will happen? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Right. But what will start to happen, let's say you just, you're growing in this love, Barbara, and you're starting to, to think about the people that, that God loved and that Jesus died for. What's going to start happening in you? You'll have to tell them. Say that again, Jackie. You'll reflect, exactly. You'll reflect Christ. And, and you will have to tell them in word and in action about the way to hope and peace and uh, love. It will just you will just have to do it because you will find yourself loving them. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what what in order to give away the, the this love, this truth about Jesus, what has to happen? Yeah. You have to have experienced it yourself. You can't give something to so you can't give someone something you haven't experienced. You have to experience it, and you have to know that it's true. Because you won't give the gospel to someone if you don't really believe it's true. So you have to understand. So all of these things have been happening, haven't they? They've been happening. You've been growing in your knowledge of God. You've been growing in your understanding. You've been uh, that you've seen your life change. So you've had physical proof of the fact that this of what God says is true. You're starting to love one another and then love outside. And what what does He say in verse eight? What is the outcome of you doing these things? Yeah. Exactly. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you ne neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the promise contained in a negative form? But what's the promise there? You will be fruitful. What does that mean? Other people will come to know Christ and that's definitely true and... Yes, you'll grow yourself in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. You will start to grow in the fruit of the Spirit and that too will be a witness to the Lord Jesus outside. Okay, um, when, you, when that's happening, what else will happen? So you're growing in the fruit of the Spirit. You're starting to talk to people about Jesus. You're starting to see people, you know, coming to know the Lord Jesus. I don't mean in hundreds, but just gradually that's going to happen. What else will all, all of what you're doing, what else will it be achieving? Help you grow. Yeah, instrumental in the kingdom. But it will make you far less open to deception because you will be immersing yourself in the truth of God. You will see the truth of the reality of the promise of God being played out in your life. You'll be talking to people about Jesus and all of it will be reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing the top that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Because you'll start to see that actually happening in your life. So, it's so easy, isn't it?
Yeah, I know. I know. Um, okay, so are we all going to be the same in all, in all of this? I've already said we're not. We're all individual children. You don't lose your personality. God gave you your personality, but he is in the process of giving you the character of Jesus. That's what will happen. So each of us have different personalities. Jenny, never hug Jenny. <laughs> you know she doesn't want to hug. <laughs> I know, I'm only kidding. I know. Strangers. I don't particularly like hugging strangers, I have to say. Yeah, I know, but we don't know their family. We need to find out. I know. It's because Jenny and I, just, we're not as mature as you guys in the Lord, so <laughs> we've got to grow. No, but seriously... Um, I think you should just stop talking, Jenny, because it, <laughs> <laughs> it might be like a hole we're digging here. So, mm. Okay, Jenny and I, we're gonna we're gonna have some counselling together. <laughs> okay, so um, as we finish, then because we are finishing knowing peace in a shaking world, uh, what is peace? There were loads of if you did the homework, there were loads of cross references about peace in the homework. What actually is peace? Hmm. Uh, Yes, it includes that, but what is peace? Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah, give me some references then. You're all shouting this out. Tell me how you know this stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. These are all true, these things. They're all true, but if you had to describe what peace is as the Bible describes, particularly the Old Testament... Um, it's it's not enough. You're all saying one thing, but it's not actually the fullness of the definition of peace. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, surrender is true. It's true. All of those things are true. But actually the word itself means completeness or wholeness. That's what it means. It means to be whole, W-H-O-L-E, to be complete. Now, if you think about that, to be whole and complete, to have that understanding that I'm missing nothing, I have everything, I am complete. That's why Paul says in Colossians 2, you are complete in Christ. To have that understanding, all of the other things that you're saying have to be true. You have to be unafraid. There has to be an absence of conflict. There has to be all sorts of things. Um, but 
we're being told through scripture that we can have that wholeness and completeness, that state of understanding we lack nothing and all is well, we are supposed to have that on this planet, which means in the midst of trouble and war and fear and all those other things. So there's something about the completeness and the wholeness, the peace of God, that, it, that we are to be experiencing. That That's the way we're going to describe ourselves to ourselves in the midst of anything and everything that's going on. Now, when you think about it that way, I think you realize I'm not there yet. <laughs> I mean, you are for large chunks of your time, maybe, and for... Um, but to have that total wholeness of being constantly, constantly, what's got to happen? <coughs> it's still difficult to describe the word peace. Mm. Mm, definitely. Because the peace is past understanding. Yeah. It says in the Bible yeah. that yeah. We, we will never actually reach that. Right. Well, no, it actually doesn't say we won't reach it, Barbara. It says that it passes understanding, which means the world cannot understand that. In our human nature, we cannot understand that peace, but we can experience it because Paul will go on to say the God of peace is with us. Yeah, Colossians 2, yeah. We're complete in Christ. But living in that wholeness and completeness, understanding that, that's the definition of peace, that we are whole and that all is well with my soul. And so all the battles can be raging around me, but I am complete and whole and all is well with my soul. It is, definitely. It is, definitely, definitely. Mm. Mm. But I, that's definitely true, Linda. But I want to take it even further, of course, because you know we understand that we're not to be rocked about. We're to we're to know that God is in control. Okay. But I want to ask you a question: Do you really believe that God is right now, this moment, in all the difficulties that you're facing individually, he is at work and that what he's doing is the very best for you. You see, that's part of the completeness and the wholeness, the peace. That's part of having peace, is believing. Um, Keith, I'm looking at you, so I'm going to use you as an example. Keith's not been very well and that has caused, in fact, he's been very not well, if you know what I mean. It's, he's been quite ill. And um, and that what that's brought on is another whole load of stuff from before. You know, emotional whatever stuff. He'll talk to you about it if you want to know, I'm sure. But so, why am I saying that? Oh yeah, so I'm saying here at the front, Keith's always looking and listening, and I'm saying, does he believe that what he's just gone through is the best for him. Now that's what we're talking about, you see. We're talking about that. We're not talking about it being good when we have good experiences or when we're working for the Lord or when, when the harvest is coming in or when we're meeting people and sharing the gospel. We're talking about, do you really believe that God is at work for your best when, when everything's wrong? Yeah, that's, that's 
Exactly. Exactly. But that's what I'm asking. See, the believing, the trusting it, we might not be able to understand it in our human mind, but we know that the God of peace is with us and therefore we trust it. But I'm asking, do we? Do you? Mm. But what's God's promise, Maureen? What's God's promise? He causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him. And if, and do we believe that God only gives good things to his children? He only gives good gifts. So if he's allowed Keith, for whatever reason, whatever how that happened and what it was, if he has allowed that in Keith's life, then God is saying that is the best for Keith. Now, okay, he made a wrong choice somewhere along the line. He did something wrong, so he got flu or whatever he got, whatever it is, and then he brought back all this other stuff. And So I'm not saying that there weren't contributory factors to how he felt, but what I am saying is either God causes all things to work together for good or he doesn't. He either only gives good things or he doesn't. God is good all the time. I'm talking about believers, Maureen. I'm talking about believers. That is part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. So what was. Exactly. Yes. And that's exactly what we're talking about. So what do we have to do? What does Keith now? I'm sorry, Keith, I'm using you, but you're right in front of me. So um, what does Keith have to do now? Because he's listening to this and he's going to go out of the door and he's going to think, mm, I'm not sure about all that. I'm not sure. So what is he, uh, what's he got to do? He has to trust. And how will he reinforce that trust? He will supply in his faith moral excellence and in his moral excellence knowledge and in his knowledge perseverance and in his perseverance self-control and then in his self-control brotherly love and then love outside what will happen is he must supply those things to his faith exactly so we're all yes exactly we're not all isolated. That's why, he's, that's why the culmination of this is love, brotherly kindness and love. That's the end because we're together. We're all together in it. But you see, I have to stand here and look at Keith and say, whatever you, f yeah. <laughs> whatever you felt like, that was God's best for you. You... In Absolutely, absolutely. There you go. So you knew it already. He knew it already. Fellow Christians. Surround yourself with family, people who love you, people who will pray for you, people who will talk truth to you, like this minister who came to see you. That's what we have to do. That's what you do. You surround yourself with Christians. You pick up your Bible. You pray. You choose to banish the thoughts that are coming in from the fear and start to say, no, I'm not having that. God is God and he is good. And so that's what I'm talking about. So, I, I, I mean, let's take it on a very little thing, like the premises, which is a tiny thing. You know, 
I could be all wrapped up in, oh, you know, Lord, why aren't we getting a bigger brown? But I am totally and utterly, so much so that I'm feeling guilty because I don't care. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I feel like, oh, I, sh I should probably care. I should probably be, you know, but I don't. No, but what I mean is I don't even care whether it's that place or not, whether we move or we don't. I don't care if we stay here. I don't care if you all have to sit on each other's laps. I don't care. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I really don't mind whichever way this goes. I don't mind. I don't mind. And that, that only comes because I totally believe that God is working. No, exactly. But so think of a thing in your own life. I've picked Keith. Pick something else. Okay, what's happening with one of your children? Now, I'm not saying that's the God doing that to them in terms of giving them this thing or anything else, but I'm saying God is at work in your life, no matter what's happening, for your best all the time. Now, that understanding we have to work at. It just doesn't happen. We have to work at it. And when you start to do what Peter's talking about, when you start to understand that peace, that wholeness of being, that completeness is connected with righteous living. It's connected with discipline. It's connected with getting together with fellow believers. It's connected with developing self-control and perseverance. That peace that, that is, passes all understanding because the God of peace is with you. The peace that you can know in a shaking world will not just descend on you. You have to work at it and you have to give it your best effort. Because in the giving of your best effort, God starts to reinforce to you, you're mine. Look at you, you're working along with me. Who'd have thought that? Do you see what I mean? It's like the whole thing of it is wrapped up in he does what only he can do and he makes you a want to do whatever you can do to help that along. That's how you'll know peace in a shaking world. That's how all those other things um, will be added to you. Okay, any questions? Yeah, I'm beginning to wonder, actually. I've got a thousand scriptures on my page and I haven't looked at, I haven't talked about any of them. Why not? You looked at all those scriptures, right? All of them. They all, all of them are connected with, um, with knowing peace in a shaking world. Okay, so, um, yes, yes. Oh, thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Okay, so you have to be active to promote your understanding of peace and you also have to be actively promoting peace outwardly in the body of Christ. Go ahead. <laughs> Jenny, Jenny, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Um, so, really seriously, um, you know, ending, ending, knowing peace in a shaking world, you and I, do you believe you are here for such a time as this? 
Do you believe that everything that God is doing in your life is for your best? Do you believe, totally and utterly believe, that every single person that you talk to, come across, needs to know about Jesus? Do you believe that the people that you that you live with need to know about Jesus? Do you believe that God is deliberately putting you in their life so that they learn about Jesus? Now then, take that one step further. Who is in your life at the moment that needs to hear the truth about Jesus? Will you tell them? No. Who is in your life at the moment who needs to see Jesus in you? Who is in your life at the moment that needs to come along to something to go to a gospel outreach event, even take them to your own churches. I don't care as long as your churches speak truth. I don't mind. They don't have to come here. But if they, if we do something, bring them here. If there's a discipleship course, bring them here. If there's a conference, bring them here. Think about the fact that God wants you to be active in your faith. Active in your faith. Um, when you see, you know, Desiring Truth is a ministry that you are a part of. Whether you give money or you don't, whether you ever pray for it or you don't, you come here, you are a part of this ministry. You are part of this particular local family of God. You are. <laughs> and so your voice and your presence and whatever gifting you have through, through the Holy Spirit, they are essential to this body of believers. We cannot function without you. Do you believe that? Because that's the truth. God's put you here. And he's using you to benefit each of us. I want to know what you have to say. I want to see Christ in you. I'm the lesser for it if you don't. So it's that understanding, peace in a shaking world. Pete, let's make this place an oasis. Let's make this place a place where you can come to every week and more often than once a week, hopefully, that you can come here and you can use the gifts that God has given you and that he will manifest himself through you out into this body and then out beyond. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, it's been f fantastic for me, Maureen, honestly. Mm. 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 Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But I think for me that what helps me with that, Maureen, is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God loves those people who don't believe in the Bible and don't believe in him. And he died for those people. And so all of their animosity or their whatever, it doesn't matter because God loves them and therefore he loves them through me. Yeah. Yeah. But also remember, God is always at work always at work you don't see what he's doing half the time 
Exactly. Exactly. Still, yeah. 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 All day long, it says, God holds out his hand to a stubborn and disobedient people. It's talking about Israel in the particular context, but that's what he's doing all day long. He's holding out his hand. So, any questions? Did I ask if there were any questions? Did I already do that? Jackie is going to South Africa tomorrow on holiday. So everybody pray for Jackie. And um, yeah, so Father, thank you. Thank you that um, we've reached the end. Thank you of only this study, Lord. Thank you that there's so much more to learn about you and to, and to experience in you. Thank you that you are life itself and, and abundant life and that we will just know that more and more as we get to know you. Thank you, Father, that you are always good all the time and that you only do wondrous things. Thank you, Lord, that you are more than we could imagine, and but that you are growing us up in our understanding. And I pray, Lord God, that as we go on and start to look uh, more specifically at First um, Corinthians um, and understand more about the resurrection life that we have in Christ, you would really just open our eyes to the glory of that life and the power that is at work towards us and within us and help us Lord as we go on to share that resurrection life in all its glory with um, our family and with um, those of us, those people who don't yet know you. So Lord God thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We praise you and love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.